Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for uh, tuning in to another episode of the Exchange Podcast, where we sit down not only with other exchangers, but people outside of the exchange community, because we're all about learning together. And so I'm so excited that today I get the great opportunity to sit down with Merrick Cornette and uh, learn a little bit about her story and the work she does and, and how she does that work. One of the things, Merrick, that I've learned since uh, sitting down with you before we hit record is that you have triplets. I do. I do have triplets. <laughs> tell me about the moment, if you don't mind, before we get into the tell me about the moment you found out I have three babies. Uh, yeah, it was a, a really crazy story. So my husband and I actually, we had four years of trying and several medical interventions. Um, and we ended up doing IVF with our first child. And so we really didn't think that getting pregnant by ourselves is going to be possible. Um, we'd had a miscarriage along the way and ended up, um, I got pregnant and we went to the, to get our ultrasound at eight weeks um, I let the woman know, like, this is kind of the point where we have found that it was not a viable pregnancy before, twice, actually. Um, and so be gentle if that's the case. And she said, I've got some interesting news and turned the screen to face us and said, here's baby one. And I saw a baby in there and I thought, oh, there's a baby. That's yeah, great. That's great. Yeah, and I that's didn't. That's awesome. I didn't hear the fact that she had enumerated the the baby. And so then, and here's baby two. And I looked at my husband. I was like, oh my goodness, we're going to have twins. And here's baby three. And I, my husband goes, please stop counting. <laughs> like there's, that's it, right? That's good. We're done. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. So from then on, it was very, um, really exciting and terrifying. And I was giant. Uh, I got, I ended up measuring 55 weeks pregnant whenever I gave birth to them. So, um, I was, there are some, there are some photos, Hetty. Yeah. (laughs) Now, did y'all do a reveal? You know how people do these baby reveals and all that. Did y'all do that or no? No. You don't do that when you have. (laughs) Yeah. We we kind of did our own reveal. Um, when we found out the sex of the babies, um, they're all three boys and actually all four of our kids are boys. And so we went to dinner and opened up the, basically the results of what Uh each child was throughout the course of dinner. Okay. We had three different envelopes Uh and before our appetizer, we opened one and then between appetizer and main course, we opened the second one. And then between the main course and dessert, we opened the third um, so we kind of teased throughout the day that we were going to know and on social media, Casey and I, my husband and I, um, actually met on Twitter. So we're pretty, Get out of here. yeah, so we're pretty active on Twitter still. Um, but on all of our social channels, we were pretty, um, excited to share with yeah. people throughout the day, yeah. uh, created maybe a little bit too much buzz because <laughs> yeah. then we had to tell our parents and track them down to tell For them sure. before yep. we announced on social media what it actually was. Uh, but yeah, there's a video of at least us finding out what uh-huh. all three of our our kids were. That is so cool. Now yeah. the three triplets are are one, and then you have the fourth. Yeah. How does the fourth? Uh, he is three. Well, he came yeah. first, so yeah, so yeah, he's, he's the yeah. first. How old is the first? Yeah, <laughs> he's almost exactly two years older than yeah. the triplets. Yeah. So at this point, he doesn't remember his life without them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> he just knows that he has mm-hmm. three brothers. Yeah. Yeah, that is so cool. What What is something that you may have never thought about having triplets or twins or anything no. like that, but what what is the one thing that has stood out to you like from having three children the same age? Like um, what's been the, maybe talk to us about what's been the hardest yeah. for you. Yeah. The hardest is just managing so much chaos. I think there with our first, we just let him run the schedule and whenever he wanted to nap, he napped. We, yeah. we took him everywhere with us. You can't really do that with three. Um, and you have to be pretty regimented on here's what time they eat every single day. Here yeah. is exactly when they go down for their naps. Um, so we've had to be a lot more, a lot stricter than we're used yeah. to uh-huh. or that we're comfortable with. Um, but at this point, I feel like some there's been some point of chaos throughout the entire process yeah. that now it's just a, 
a different level of hard than uh-huh. it was a year ago. Cause we're not having to wake up in the middle of the night to feed everybody. Now we're to the point where all three of them can walk and climb on the couch and try to fall off the couch and like pull each other's hair and steal toys. And so now we're in this whole different level of just managing everyone as they're yeah. nuts. I mean, they're just nuts. This all makes sense now that when you said I need, we need to reschedule because <laughs> my evenings are crazy, yeah. you know, so I'm like, Oh now. Yeah. I don't even know why we even had a five o'clock. <laughs> Yeah, it gets a little wild. And yeah, just picking everybody up and trying uh-huh. to—it's about a two-hour just all in. Just let's, trying to let's get just kids. Get it. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad that we finally uh, got the chance yeah. to sit down. Now, you uh, meeting on um, social media, mm-hmm. uh, you and Casey. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. What I mean, I yeah, I didn't happen? meet. You know, I met my wife before social media. Uh-huh. So, and typically people like we met on Facebook. Talk to me about what it's like to meet on Twitter. Well, uh, Twitter is a very different world now than it was. Actually, we met in 2010, so 11, uh-huh. 11 years ago. Um, back then, you have kind of the kind of had a, a Twitter community um, that was really small and very active and a lot of fun. And I wish we could go back to those Twitter days, but I think they are gone. Um, but yeah, it was really just I saw somebody tweet about him. I started following him and then sent him a direct message a couple of months later. And, um, we had scheduled a, to take our dogs on a walk. And then he sent me a, a direct message. He slid into my DMs. Nice. Um, Look at this. <laughs> I don't know. Um, a couple of days before we were going to go on the dog walk. And now I know, because I know my husband is that he was just bored and didn't have any plans. And I was like, I might as well, I'm just going to hang out with this girl later. So we might as well go now. Yeah. Um, and then we immediately started dating and got married, I guess, two years later. And now we have four children. <laughs> now, <laughs> so. Yeah. Now you have four children. Now, uh, how long have y'all been married? Uh, coming up on nine years, actually, oh, beginning wow. of October. Yep. Nice, nice, nice. That's really cool. So we know that you have a big family. Yeah. You know, four <laughs> children. Met your husband on Twitter. I mean, you have a pretty <laughs> fabulous story here. Yeah. Um, Talk to us about when you were a child. I always like to kind of get a feel for what people were like as a kid and did it point to the work that they're doing now. Was there, what did that look like for you? Like, is there anything that stands out to you now that's like, oh, I could see me doing the work that I do now? A little bit. Uh, I grew up in Pawnee, which is a really tiny town up by Stillwater. Um, About 2,000 people live there. Um, I'm an only child. I lived in the middle of nowhere. My nearest neighbor was a mile and a half away. Oh so, God. and you were the only child. Uh huh. So I spent a lot of time exploring. I guess is pretty much. I I have no idea what I did all day. Um, lots of just going down the creek. And, yeah. I don't know. Throwing rocks across the pond. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Um, running through the the cow pastures, but um. Yeah, I grew up in, uh, my mom was a high school teacher. My family um, was, I actually had a, a really big extended family and mm-hmm. they were really active in the community. And so I got to just kind of experience small town life. Yeah. That's, I mean, not, not experience it. I lived it for yeah. until I graduated. Um, and I think that pointed to just the direction of my career because I, now I'm in paid media, but I was really involved in social media a lot with social media management, um, building communities around Mm. whatever it was, whatever organization it was or whatever brand it was. Um, because at my heart, that's what I grew up with is having a really close knit community and, um, getting to see how that affects humans within that community. Um, I think kind of lent itself to, really what I ended up doing. Yeah. Now building community. Now you're doing it online. Mm-hmm. You've seen this happen in Pawnee and in smaller communities. It's a lot easier to see, right. Yeah. For the whole town, kind of how yep. communities built. Now you're getting into this place where you go to OU finance, but end up in social media world. Right. Now you, you just mentioned social media versus paid. 
talk to us about the work you do. And in that, talk to, like, I don't know if a lot of people, mm-hmm. when you say, sure. well, I was doing social media, but I'm doing ads, like, yeah. is ads not part of social media? Like, talk to us about that. Yeah, they're, they uh, go hand in hand. So I prefer to be on the side of, um, of not content generation. So uh, obviously a tweet goes out or a Facebook post is posted, Instagram is out there, you know, Instagram story goes live, whatever it is, I prefer to be on the other side of things, which is really amplifying someone's story that Mm -hmm. they're telling. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily have to be the person that is writing the witty copy. I, in fact, I, ha- I hate that part. <laughs> um, that's my least favorite part. Um, and, but I really, I mean, I, I enjoy saying, all right, you know what, Hetty, you have really great content. I want as many people as possible to see this piece of mm-hmm. content. Um, I know how to find the people that you need to get in front of. Um, so it's kind of a puzzle to me yeah. and solving really like what are ads that are going to stand out, but not just the ad content that's going to stand out, which audiences should we be going after? And then even which goals should we be setting for your organization? So many people just assume that if you have a large Facebook following or if you have 10,000 followers on Instagram, all of a sudden you're popular. What they don't realize is that you're not reaching that many people mm-hmm. with that because mm-hmm. they kind of have you in, in handcuffs. Yep. Facebook does at this point. Um, and so sometimes you have to pay just to get in front of the people who want to hear from yeah. you already. Um, and then sometimes you need to pay to get in front of new people, new yeah. audiences to grow that community even further. So, all, all, well, a good portion of my life, I would see ad agencies, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think I understood like, oh, those are the people who pay to amplify whatever that message may be. Yeah. I didn't know on the other side there are people who are creating the content, you know, yeah. or whatever. So it's really cool to kind of have that understanding. I think a lot of people out there probably don't all quite understand that, and yeah. so, so thank you for explaining that uh, to us. Um, when you start thinking about uh, social media, creating the content and then the ads and amplifying that. What are some things that somebody out there listening right now, right? They mm-hmm. have a, a great piece of content, but they don't, they can't afford to bring in an, a, a person mm-hmm. to help them mm-hmm. with that. Like what are some things that they make it do to kind of help get their, yeah. their story out there? I will say that the education that I have on all of my social media advertising, even in my digital advertising, because I do Google ads as well. My education has all come from experience and has not come from a university or any kind of classes that I've gone to. Um, And so that's possible for everybody. I know that that does not mean that you have the time to dedicate resources into figuring that out. I will say though that there are some really dang good YouTube videos out there <laughs> that'll tell you exactly what you need to do to set things up. Um, do you have any of those? Do you? No, gosh, no, no. I no. told you I don't like to yeah. comment, generate content. Uh, may, That's maybe even for yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, I I think that there's there are definitely resources out there. So many blogs and mm. and even my blog, like I go into what you should be thinking about whenever you are advertising, how to set up specific kinds of ads. Um, because I want to make it a resource for people who don't know what the heck they're doing. Um, but I will say that a lot of people use the boost or the promote button, which for most people is fine, but I do want to caution you that you don't have as many options when you do that as far as the audiences that you can target as well as the goals that you can accomplish um, if you use those shortcuts that Facebook gives you. Give us an idea of what it means to target an audience. You know, like mm-hmm. I think people understand it, but let's yeah. say that they don't. Like sure. give us the, like three or four things like when you may be targeting right. for something. So I'll give you basically the rundown on Facebook and Instagram, what you can do if you use what's called ads manager, which is like the more sophisticated version of setting up ads. Um, that's actually what I use for all of my advertising. Um 
you have custom audiences, which can be a list of your past customers, or it can be um, you have an email database. And so you have all of your customers' email addresses. It can be all of you, you have a mailing address for, you know, 50 people. You can upload that and you can target those people specifically. Um, you can also do anybody who's interacted with your Facebook page, or if you have an e-commerce shop, you can build an audience based on people who have gone to your Facebook shop or your Instagram shop, people who are your Facebook page fans, um, people who have watched 3% of your videos, people who have said that they're going to your event or they're interested in going to your event and you just need them to buy the tickets now. There are a lot of different audiences that you can build that are considered custom audiences. But then there are a couple of other different kinds of things that you can do, which there's interest-based targeting, which you're kind of just taking a guess at like, well, I think my people like this thing. Yeah. Um, well, I think they like basketball. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my persona says that they like basketball. And so, yeah, for sure they like basketball. Yeah. Um, some industries can get away with that because the signals are a lot stronger, Mm -hmm. Um, but some industries can't. And so if you're really just kind of stabbing in the dark and hopefully you're catching the right person based on what their interests are, it's a little bit harder. Um, But you can also build what are called lookalike audiences. And lookalike audiences take that core group from your custom audiences. So say it's your past customers and you're building your kind of, you're taking that amount of people and then amplifying it so that all of a sudden you're reaching the top 1% of people on Facebook who look like your current customer. Mm. And what I mean by look like is their demographics, but also their purchasing behavior. So are they more likely to buy dresses online than shoes? Okay. We're going to narrow it down to these people instead. Um, so is that like just a click of a button or is yeah. that typing it in? Okay. Yeah. It is really just building a lookalike audience based on an audience that you already know is successful. That you've already created. You. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now yeah. real quick, you, you, you mentioned, so let's say there's some people mm-hmm. out there already have an email list, Yeah. but they don't really have a big following on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that they can go to their, if they have a Facebook page, yeah. they can go to the Facebook ad manager, upload that email list of 300 folks. Mm-hmm and target those people exactly. based on their email because their yes. email is what they may have registered exactly. with. Exactly. As gotcha. long as the email is the same email that Facebook has registered, then and most of us yeah. have our have yeah. our one email that we yeah. use. Or if you're like me, I think I have like every email that I've yeah. ever used <laughs> is on Facebook somewhere <laughs> at some point. Um, and so people can target me for everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but it is... They're, they're called identifiers and there are like 30 different options of identifiers. So a first name, last name, zip code, email address, phone number, date of birth is a really good one. Um, so date of birth meaning, so if everybody, if you put in 6174, mm-hmm. it's going to target that person. It's going to target that if only if it's that specific person. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going after John Smith in Oklahoma city, it's going to say there are 18 John Smiths. I can't find the one. Like we're not going to target any of them, but I say it's going to be John Smith in seven, three, one, one, eight. It's like, Oh, there's still three of them. I'm not, I'm not going to find him either. But all of a sudden you say, but he has this phone number or he was born in 1950. Then all of a sudden it's like, okay, we found the John Smith that you're looking for. We will serve him this ad. And so is that the reason they now ask for phone numbers? I think it used to be they just only ask for emails. Yeah. Is asking for phone numbers. I know that it's, <laughs> it's easier to uh, maybe authenticate uh-huh, a person. So, right. But is it also about them Clipping being able data. to target? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah <laughs> Collecting yeah, more data yeah, on for somebody. Sure. <laughs> for sure. I once heard, and I don't know how true this is, that you could target based on workplace. You can. As long as the workplace is large enough. So if you go after somebody who is a target employee, for sure. If you go after somebody who is an Elaine digital employee, no. <laughs> so yeah. there's, it's kind of a, a hit or miss, um, on which workplaces, but you can go after workplace titles. So what, whatever your job title is, as long as that's what you use on Facebook as I am this person at this company, then you can target those people, which are sometimes really effective ads. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I just remember a long time ago. I'm a big Gary V fan. Uh-huh. Which his yeah. mouth is like 
I, I, I shouldn't even say that because <laughs> his mouth, that. yeah, yeah, his mouth is so bad. But, uh, uh, um, but yeah, I remember a long time ago he used to always say he talk about targeting people yeah. who worked in certain places mm-hmm. and all that. So, so all that, th- all those things are available to people in the Facebook ad manager right, to right. where you can target specific. But mainly, I just think now that I'm thinking about people with email lists, uh-huh. they may have at one time been collecting as long as they've been actively using those. Sure. Uploading those, that's a great way mm-hmm. to immediately start targeting people that may not be opening their emails. Right. May have moved over to Facebook. So yep. that's really, really good. Now, going back to this, okay, social media, then ads, right? Yeah. You went from social media to ads. When did you make that transition and what happened? Did you even, like, was that, were you intentional with that? Not really. I kind of fell into it. Um, when I started at, the first ad agency where I was, um, I started as a social media manager, then became a strategist to figure out how to get in front of more people and, and how to build that content strategy. At that point on Facebook, what you could do is target like five mile radius around whatever location you were going after. Or, I mean, it was really very simple. Um, as advertising became a much bigger part of um, social media in general, I started really leaning into figuring it out and making sure that, um, my, my ad agency at the time had all of the Chickasaw nation, uh, department of commerce clients. So all of the casinos, uh, and with uh, probably 10 more businesses outside of casinos, but, um, trying to really figure out, okay, what is the strategy that we need to use to get in front of new people, not just people who are fans of the Facebook page? What can we do to get in front of people who may have participated, you know, have signed up for a player's card? What can we do to get in front of people who may want to go to this concert? And so then it became kind of a game and I really enjoyed that portion a lot. Um, I had the benefit of learning from a few people who worked at that agency at the same time. Um, and so as I was working under them and learning more from them, it became a much bigger role within my job and organically it just, it took off. Mm -hmm. Um, and I decided, you know, no more content for me. (laughs) Like that's just, I don't, I don't enjoy it. And it's just a kind of, um, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, whereas ads are a lot more intuitive yeah. to me, and I really enjoy them a lot more. And you, and you mentioned the word strategy. Yeah. And so for for the people out there who may, I mean, we hear the word, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the strategy behind your yeah. ad management, you know, yeah. like doing your ads or whatever? Can you explain, like, or what it could look like to have a strategy approaching a, a, a social media campaign? Sure. So there are different kind of different kinds of things that go into your strategy. So there's your content strategy, which is which pieces of content are you putting out at which points in time. Um, generally, when I'm looking at advertising strategy, I'm looking at if you're familiar with the marketing funnel, then you're going to be familiar with what I'm about to tell you. Um, I'm looking at what audiences are we trying to get in the brand awareness phase? Um, so the people who have no idea who you are, what are all of the audiences that we have access to within that brand awareness phase? And then once they start paying attention to your ads, um, they may go to your website, they may, um, get to a place where they're actually learning more about your company what can we what ads can we serve to them at that point to get them more engaged with your brand so that you become a little bit stickier um you're giving them more information in what's considered a consideration um portion of your marketing funnel and that's where people are learning about your brand trying to decide whether or not they should go for you or for somebody else and then to get them to convert, which is to buy that concert ticket or to show up and walk through your front door, um, buy that shirt, whatever it is that you're trying to sell, um, even if it's a service, then that's the, the conversion part of your marketing funnel and figuring out within the strategy which audiences and then which types of content, which landing pages we need to be sending them to, um, 
kind of developing out every piece of that puzzle as you send somebody through so that you ultimately get them where they need to go. Mm-hmm. So listening to you, that's a lot, right? That's like, a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> and that's the reason people hire you. Like, even though you like, oh, I, I can do this. Yeah. But time-wise, and just being able to have that experience to kind of just jump right in uh-huh. to a certain degree, uh-huh. like you still got to put thought behind it and sure. all that stuff. But you can just jump into it and kind of go with it. But for people who can't, afford to take this the strategy of brand awareness and taking right, some right, engagement right. to con- and then convert it yeah. like a lot of the people in the exchange right this community that we may not can afford those kind of things mm-hmm. so there's two people that i want to kind of talk to so one you can you can afford this and you're like oh my goodness right yeah. i need to hire somebody out <laughs> hello we got you somebody today <laughs> and then the second person we want to talk to is I can't afford it. Merrick, help me figure out a simple way maybe I can go through this three step. Mm-hmm. Can you talk to both of those people? Yeah. So if you are not able to afford somebody who can help you with your strategy or even um, somebody who can advertise, or maybe you're not you don't even have an ad budget yet, that's okay. What you need to start thinking about is those three sections of brand awareness consideration and conversion so that not every post that you put out is a call to action for somebody to buy your product or to convert in some way. Some of it is going to be brand awareness, which that is a really good place to even just talk about who you are as a business owner or what your services are. Um, It's just to give people a taste of what to expect whenever they deal with you. Um, consideration is more of the meaty stuff. So that's where if you write blogs on your website, that's the content that you're sending out for that. Um, or if you have a landing page to send somebody to that tells about all of your services, that's your consideration content. Yeah. Like, Hey, you're going to get them to a place to where they're going to come and see, Hey, I, I can do X, Y, Z. I'm a coach and I can give you a, yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So I would say that if you can build out like a month's content calendar and look at which pieces of my content. So you're not just on Monday posting, Hey, happy Monday, Mm -hmm. but you're actually looking at how to be strategic with that content. And on Monday, I'm going to post a brand awareness piece on Wednesday. I'm going to post a consideration piece, which is going to be this blog. I actually have six different Facebook posts that I can pull from this blog because it's that great, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever. And then on Friday, I'm going to tell people about this specific service and tell them if they need that service to contact me. And so you're thinking through that marketing funnel, even within your content, um, even if you're not advertising. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes some time to Mm -hmm. sit down I'm glad you mentioned a, a, a monthly calendar, yeah. right? Hey, let's sit down. Let's go through the month. Let's see what that content is going to yeah. be like. The part that you said you don't like, like yeah. you got it. <laughs> I know <laughs> that content. Yeah. Uh, and so, brand awareness. There's content for brand awareness. There's right. content for consideration. Then there's content for converting, mm-hmm. right? And so, you take your month and lay that out kind of one week is this, the next week is that, and then another week? Or do you do that once you have found your audience? I usually, what I would recommend is starting that, whether or not you have your audience, making Mm. sure that your content isn't just one note. Like you really are giving a variety of, um, of touch points so that anybody, wherever they are within trying to find you, um, they're, they're getting something out of it. Um, a lot of people, and this is a, I guess a soapbox that I'm going to get on for just one minute, but a lot of people, (laughs) um, have taken to, and a lot of shops actually, a lot of e-commerce, this is kind of what they do now. They're seeing a lot more success on Instagram because Instagram isn't as crowded. So more of it's what's called reach rate. Um, the number of people that you're reaching with every post is a lot higher on Instagram than it is on Facebook. And it's a lot easier to interact on Instagram than it is on Facebook for, or people are more apt to do it. So what people think is I'm just going to post on Instagram and I'm going to share this to my Facebook page immediately. 
and then it doesn't do anything on Facebook. And they're like, well, crap, what happened? <laughs> like, why isn't yeah. it performing over there yeah. too? Um, one of the things to think about is that if somebody's following you on one platform, you need to give them a reason to follow you on a different platform mm-hmm. or else they're not going to engage in both places unless mm-hmm. it's your mom. Your mom will engage on both places yeah, mom, yeah. if she's on Instagram. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so that's kind of one factor to consider. Um, but the other factor is that they're at their heart two completely different platforms. Mm. Facebook is a community builder. Facebook is supposed to, that's why they focus so much on groups. Mm-hmm. Um, it is supposed to be a place where you are creating engagement by asking questions, by getting feedback, um, by sharing kind of insider knowledge, by showing that community that you're giving back to them so that they in turn can give you back engagement. Instagram is really a content platform. So that's where you are selling whatever you're trying to sell. If it is your perfect life, that's what you're selling on Instagram, then that's what you're selling on Instagram. Um, If it is your brand and you have really great visuals, then doing that on Instagram is perfectly fine. Just don't expect you to share your beautiful picture on Facebook and get the same interaction unless Facebook recognizes that you are also trying to commu- communicate with your community mm. while you're there. And that's amazing that these algorithms mm-hmm. or whatever, the coding for that kind yeah. of stuff detects those things and knows where to place them and all of that. It's so crazy that this, this was not an original question, but people always ask me followers versus likes now on Facebook. Yeah. So Facebook has gone away from page likes over to followers. And so there's really no difference. I mean, any new page that's built only has followers. Um, so it really is just an identity crisis on Facebook. Okay. (laughs) But I would say that that is a metric. Um, I, recently spoke to a group and pulled um, the number of people that liked a page and the reach rate, which is again, the number of people you're reaching with that content and then the engagement rate. So the number of engagements that you're getting per total number of fans. When you increase your page, totals, your reach rate is pretty consistent or sorry, the number of people that you're reaching is pretty consistent. So that means your reach rate is going down, which means if you have a thousand followers, your reach rate may be 10%. When you have 10,000 followers, your reach rate may be 1% because you're still just reaching that. The one, the 10% yeah, from the, 10%. the thousand. Yeah. Um, so then as your page is getting bigger, you're reaching fewer and fewer of those people. If you have a million people on your page, then of course you're reaching thousands of people with uh every post, but there's a, it takes a long time to get to a million people. So if you're really just like, I'm going to get to 2000 this month, that's really an ego situation. That is not an actual metric that you need to be measuring your success by (laughs) Mm -hmm. because it really doesn't mean anything for your brand. You're still reaching the same 100 people regardless of how many fans you have on Facebook. Same thing with Instagram. Your engagement rate actually plummets whenever you have a ton of fans. Mm -hmm. The number of them that are actually engaging in any thoughtful way is minuscule. I mean, all of a sudden it's 0.8% if you have 10,000 fans whenever it used to be 20% whenever you had 100 fans. And so just kind of keep in mind that as you grow, that doesn't necessarily mean the rest of your metrics are going with you. That's, that's really good. I remember one time, I don't know who I was with or why we were doing this, but we were looking at like Kim Kardashian who mm-hmm. has, I think, 300 million followers on Some Instagram. Dumb. Something crazy. <laughs> but then she only gets like, which is crazy, three and four million likes. Mm-hmm. Out of the 300 million, only right. three or four million people yeah. out of the 300 million. Yep. Like, like That's like <laughs> me having two likes out of my 2,000. You yeah. know, like it's yeah. just... It's just nuts how all of that works. But mm-hmm. I think it, it shows what you're saying to be true. Uh-huh. Like, just because you have 300 million followers does not mean your engagement is going to be any different than it was whenever, yeah. you know, you had 100 million or yep. 50 million, right? So, or 1,000. Or 1,000, <laughs> yeah. It's okay to have a smaller account. Yeah. So uh, the question I wanted to make sure that I asked, so you went from having one client mm-hmm. to 25. Yeah. Yeah, within 
I would say relatively short amount yeah, of time. Yeah. What what changed from one to twenty five? Oh, like, geez. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, for those um, of us who want to one day go from one to twenty five, like talk to us about what that experience was like for you. Yeah. So I started in March of twenty twenty. Um, it was March 1st was when I started my first client. Uh, this was two months before the triplets were born. And so I only had one client for a while, um, took on more clients in August. And at that point I was in the, um, the phase of like any client at all. I started reaching out to people that I had worked with in the past, um, who had, who I had connected with. Um, so I kind of brought them in and saying, I'm going out on my own taking on more clients. If you ever need any help, let me know. And then it has really just snowballed. I think one of the things that has benefited me the most is that there are very few people in, in my industry who freelance and do what I do. The vast majority of people who do what I do work for agencies that are much larger, much more expensive. And so finding somebody who knows the ins and outs and has the agency experience, but also has freelancer pricing <laughs> compared, yeah. um, is kind of a, a benefit for me. Um, it's an opportunity for other people who want to get in this industry. I'm about to close my books. So <laughs> if, if anybody else is interested in uh, getting in this industry, now's the time. Um, yeah, but I think it really is just, it's been word of mouth. It's been, I treat my customer, my clients really, really well. I'm, I give them as much information about what's going on as possible. I'm always honest with them. So even if something's not working, I'm honest with them about <coughs> it not working. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of saying like, oh, we'll try something else and like give me another thousand dollars to do that. Yeah. Um, it could be like, hey, you know what? This like we're sending them to a really, really bad website. And I feel like maybe you should get your website fixed before we do anything gotcha, else or yeah. whatever it needs to be. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I really just have kind of lucked out, but I'm one of the few who do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that always helps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a niche. <laughs> yeah. That always helps. Um, tell me about some people who have influenced in your work. Like who are some people that you look up to that you think are doing some great work? Yeah. They, I mean, there are so many people that I've had along my career in the past, um, that I have actually one of the, she said the executive VP at the ad agency where I first started out, I learned so much from her, not just as a boss and how to treat people, but really as just a human that, um, she, ended up she was i think 34 and she was diagnosed with breast cancer mm. and so and while we were working together and so i watched her she conquered <laughs> i mean yeah. everything she is she's very healthy now um but i watched that and she made it a priority to make sure that her health was a priority um and her family she had three kids she has three kids um, make sure that they're a priority. And so it turned away from kind of this ad agency mindset of like, we're all going to work here for 12 hours every single day. And and then I'm going to go home and work some more and you know, that kind of thing. It turned around and made me really think like, well, it doesn't have to be like this. Workplaces don't have to be like this, especially in this industry you can have balance within your families and we can support each other and not, um, it doesn't have to all be kind of grind, grind time. Yeah. Um, it can be really meaningful work mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, go home and spend it with your kids. Um, so I got to see that from her and she was just a, I mean, she's still a big role model in my life, but even down to to people that I've met since I've started working at the treasury. Um, I, Lauren Workentine is just killing yeah, it. And yeah. she's, I mean, she's such a great business mind yeah. and getting to talk to her about really anything that she's doing and how she set things up and how she's taking the next step in her business and what she's doing with that and getting to work alongside her in that yeah. um, has been, has just been a really great learning opportunity for me. So I've just been lucky to surround myself with some 
people who are doing really great things. Um, but now I'm surrounding myself with a lot of people who are entrepreneurs and so I'm able to glean from them, like some of the things that they learned along the way. Mm -hmm. What are some challenges that you face in your, in your work and, and how do you overcome them? I think the biggest challenge that I face right now is saying no <laughs> to clients, um, to potential clients, because there are there are days like today. I finished my to do list at eleven thirty, and I started looking at okay, well, what do I need to do tomorrow? Can I knock some of those off? Um, and then last week, which of course is Labor Day week, so it was just nutso anyway, but. I was scrambling for time mm-hmm. and how do mm-hmm. I fit all of this in? So pacing my work, um, can be a little bit difficult. Um, but also just honestly, because I am so niche and once people hear about me, they kind of, they want to get on my calendar so that we can talk and maybe I can work with them. And that's wonderful. And I love that that's the situation that I'm in. Um, but I have a really hard time being like, I don't think this is a good fit. Um, in, unless I really feel like it's not a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so finally I decided recently I'm not going to take on any more content clients because I have, I have a handful and that keeps me plenty busy in that world. Anything else that I'm going to take on is going to be a strategy client, a training client or an ad client. Um, and that's it. But yeah. it's really hard whenever I get that call or the email comes in from my website or whatever saying, Hey, I need help with this. XYZ to not just be like, Oh, that'll take a couple hours. I could totally, I can help you. Like, let's go. Um, because I, I need to understand that. Like I work for myself. If I basically wanted to take on every single client that was handed to me, I'd work for somebody else who was going Mm -hmm. and getting those clients. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really good. So you just mentioned like some of your services, training strategy, can you explain each one of those mm-hmm. just for people listening, like yeah. what that looks like? If they, if they can fall in one of those categories yeah. and it sure. may be a good fit. Yeah. So ad implementation is exactly what you think it is. It is me taking over your ads accounts, running everything that you need to be run. Um, with training, a lot of people prefer to learn and it's kind of the more cost effective way of learning the ins and outs, um, of training of ad placement. Um, so what I do there is like a five hour block of time. Um, the first couple of hours, first two to three hours, depending on what your skill set is going into it is going over best practices, figuring out like exactly what you should be, how you should be setting up ads, getting everything set up correctly. And then the last couple of hours is usually a consultation of like, Hey, Merrick, set up this ad. Can you go in and look at it to make sure that it's actually running Mm -hmm. correctly? Or, um, what would you change to optimize this or whatever? So it's more of that just like teaching someone to fish. Um, and then strategy is generally what I'll do to kick off a client um, depending on the client. So if it's a more sophisticated, like needs a really well-defined marketing funnel, like we talked about, um, identification of what their current audiences are, what their opportunities are, um, who their competitors are and what the competitors are doing that we can learn from or stay away from, um, all of that part of the audit and then pulling it together of here's what we need to do to your social media platforms. Here's what we need to do to your website to make it more functional for your social media. And then here's what we need to do for advertising. So there are kind of three different, um, menu items, if Mm -hmm. you will, that are just really whatever somebody needs. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that is good. Merrick, I sure do appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I think I got homework to do. I'm just like, I'm like, oh my goodness. I think maybe this podcast was just for me, but nobody else out there was going to listen. Did you hit record? Yeah. Yeah. I hit record. Yes. Oh no, don't say that. I have not hit record before, but I did hit record. No, it's, it's good. Uh, I appreciate you uh, taking time to yeah. kind of explain. Tell the name of your business is Elaine digital. It's a L A I N E digital.com. How do people reach you? Yeah, through my website. Uh, my email address is also Merrick, M-A-R-E-K, at elainedigital.com. So, yeah. 
how, how did you come up with Elaine? That's my middle name. Okay. <laughs> Plus, <laughs> Elaine Digital, if you look at my logo, it's ad, yeah. which is oh, what I do. So, yeah. Smart. Yeah, I had a friend uh, point that out to me. I didn't even think about it. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> that is brilliant. That's yeah. brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time. Oh, social media. What yeah. are, are you oh, um, at Elaine Digital on everything. Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Yeah, that's pretty much it. LinkedIn. I have a, I have it all. One last tip that you want to share with people. Is there, is there a tip that you always leave people with uh, concerning? Oh, yeah. So a lot of people have started using um, Later or Hootsuite or whatnot to schedule out their content. Yeah. But Facebook has a really great platform to schedule out your Facebook and your Instagram content. Um, and so if you're sitting down and doing your content calendar and want to get it off your you know, plate right then and there, um, you can definitely schedule out that content and you don't have to pay for a special tool to do it. It's really sophisticated on the back end of Facebook. Yeah, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. I, and also that you can use, uh, you can post your stories through it to now yeah. not have to be on Facebook or the native Instagram app, mm-hmm. which I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, really cause nice. I try not to have Instagram or Facebook on my phone. Yeah. And so now that I have that, I don't get caught up in other people's feeds. Yep. <laughs> nope. You just send out all your information. <laughs> and I can schedule my time with that. Talking about time. Yeah. Uh, is there a, does time matter? So posting at 6am, yeah. 12pm, 2pm. Yeah, so within your Facebook and your Instagram, you actually can see the times that people are on your your profiles, or not just your profiles, but your followers are on Facebook or Instagram. So if you go to your insights, in general, in general yeah. if you go to insights on your Facebook page, you can go insights and then go down to posts, and you'll have like a little um, graph that shows you. I'm doing it right now, people, yeah. while she's talking, okay? <laughs> We're going to go to the Facebook, okay, go now, where do I go? Um, insights on the, on, it should be on the left side. Uh-huh. And then um, posts is the next tab. Okay. So I got on. trans content audience. Mm, oh, you're, yep, you're in your. Um, I'm on the wrong insights? You're in, yeah, you're in your business manager insights. So would it be different? You should be able to, with your insights right there, you could have, so Facebook, this is a, a, an awesome thing that Facebook did recently is that they have, um, streamlined your, yeah, you're in business manager. Yeah. I'm in the yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, if you're actually on the page and go got you Facebook. Okay. Yeah, okay. That'll be, yeah, I don't have Facebook. Um, I don't think I have Facebook. <laughs> they will, um, yeah, they have now created the new page experience and then it's like insights light and it's terrible (laughs) Um, but you can convert your page back to like an original facebook page that will give you all of the insights that you got you um yeah so if you go to post you can see when people are online even the days that is most popular and whatnot um people most often jump on whenever they're they don't want to get out of bed um so usually like 6 30 7 o'clock is actually a really good time to mm-hmm. post um right around lunch 6, 6 30 or 7 a.m mm-hmm. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and then um, right around lunch is also a nice time for people to jump on um there's kind of on instagram around 3 p.m is sometimes a hot time yeah. Um, which is bizarre. For email too. Like yeah. if you send it out an email, like to 2 to 4 p.m. Yeah. I don't it's know typically... if it's when kids are getting out of school. I don't know what's happening. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and then usually right around like the 7.30 to 8 p.m. range is also mm-hmm. a sweet spot mm-hmm. because you're hitting people as they're just winding down for the day. And yeah. before they go to bed, they check. And all of a sudden your, your post did really well an hour ago. And so it's showing to them. So that is very important to try to figure out when you see your audience, mm-hmm. the people who follow you or typically are online and average yeah. in that space to be able to send stuff out during the time. I don't obey any of that stuff. Nope. I just post whenever. Just post whenever. <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, the way that Facebook and Instagram are set up with the algorithm is it takes into account their affinity with you. And so if, if 
somebody interacts on every single post that you get out there and they don't get on Facebook for six hours after you posted, it's still going to show them the post because they know yeah, like that person this is. person absolutely loves everything that Hetty posts. Yeah. And so we're going to get out in front of it and, and make sure that we get that to that person. Yeah. Um, so the other things, timeliness, the, uh, the algorithm, timeliness of the post. So a post that you posted this morning is going to perform better than a post that you posted six days ago, uh, as far as like what's yeah. happening now, the affinity for the brand. So if somebody's regularly interacting with you, sending you messages, whatever that is, um, and then how viral the post is going. So if all of a sudden you post at a good time and 20 people jump on it right away, then Facebook says, hey, wait, hold on. This is a really good post. We're going to start showing it to more of his audience because it seems like something with this is important for us yeah. to share to his audience. So then all of a sudden, instead of those 100 people that you're reaching, now all of a sudden Facebook's like, oh, we'll loosen up the reins a bit and you can reach 150 people. Yeah. And what about 200? <laughs> and so what you can kind of do um, to more or less trick the system is when you post something that gets really high engagement, your next post needs to be a really great piece of content that you want people to see because you have opened the floodgates with that first post Yeah. that, and people have interacted with it, that they're more likely to see your second post after it. Gotcha. Because of the yeah algorithm. Uh, yeah. Yep. The success of the first one. Uh huh. That's yeah. You have to really be, Mm -hmm. intentional with that kind of stuff yeah you, yeah it's bizarre. So, as a professional i'm sure that that's what that's yeah. what you get paid to be thinking through and looking yeah. at and and all that how do you keep yourself from being on your phone all the time honestly are you on I, your phone all the time i yeah when i go home i don't want to be anymore um and it's more habitual at yeah. this point where i just grab something and scroll but i um i try to just when i come home just sit it down. Just sit it down. Yeah. yeah. Until I sit down to watch a TV show. And then it's like, okay, we'll just scroll. <laughs> I'll just jump on my I guess. Yeah. I will say my husband and I watch Jeopardy every single night. And you can't scroll and watch Jeopardy. And so that's like a good break where, uh -huh. okay, this is going to be at least 30 minutes of us just yeah. like yeah. phones away. And we can engage and have a health competition. I beat him every day. <laughs> every day. I mean, I don't know if he's listening or not, but he knows the truth. <laughs> he knows the truth. Well, Merrick, thank you so much for being on the yeah. podcast today. Uh, if, 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 if people can follow you anywhere, we're, we're at Instagram, um, Facebook. Probably Instagram has the most content um, yeah. that I generate as far as stories as well as, as post, like feed posts. So, got you. Yeah. Got you, got you. Well, again, thank you so much. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, go connect with Merrick. It's, she just dropped all kinds of dimes. I mean, I don't know what that would be worth normally, but I feel like you did a really good job <laughs> of telling the how on a lot of things that I feel like the everyday people mm -hmm. uh, typically do not grasp and understand. And I thought there was some good stuff in there to be able to walk Thanks. away with and apply immediately, which that's what I want to be able to do with every podcast here at The Exchange. So... Uh, thank you all again for hitting that play button. And as always, go win. <laughs>